Hello and welcome to the Ghibli Rewatch series of the Overly Animated Podcast, where we'll be going through every Studio Ghibli movie chronologically from the beginning. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Michelle Ander. Hello. And April Collins. Hi there. It's the Ghibli Rewatch series. Join us in rewatching or watching for the first time all the Studio Ghibli movies now that they're available for streaming for the first time ever on HBO Max in the United States and Netflix in most of the rest of the world. We'll have new podcasts every Wednesday as we go through the whole Ghibli catalog chronologically. Find all of our contact information at OverlyAnimated.com. I'm a Ghibli expert. We'll be joined by co-hosts with a variety of Ghibli experience. Today is Tales from Earthsea. Um, exciting one or not exciting one, depending on your perspective to get into. So we'll go over everything from this movie, full spoilers from Tales from Earthsea and only minor spoilers from the rest of the Ghibli catalog. We'll be discussing both the subbed and dub versions, primarily the subs, watch whatever you prefer. Not sure I've ever, maybe I watched the dub of this originally. I don't know. I think actually we're going to talk about it at least at one point because I thought one casting choice was interesting. Um, but okay. Tales from Earthsea. We are in 2006. Uh, this is directed by Goro Miyazaki, Hayao Miyazaki's son. We'll, uh, in just a minute, I'll talk a lot more about Goro. Uh, this movie is based on the first four books of Ursula K. Le Guin's Earthsea series. Uh, four books is an impressive, uh, ambitious amount to adapt into one movie. Uh, this Ghibli previously tried to adapt this series, uh, but only finally got approval by Le Guin after Spirited Away was a mega hit. Um, and I, I know she'd considered it like after Totoro and stuff, but finally happens here. Uh, Goro was p- picked to direct this movie by Toshio Suzuki, Ghibli co-founder and, uh, mega producer. Um, Goro, uh, was, uh, inspired by, in addition to the book series, Miyazaki's pre-Nausicaa manga, Shuna's Journey, mm-hmm. um, which I have not read, but contains a lot of elements from Nausicaa, also like, uh, Yakul from is in that one from, uh, you know, so, so some, some elements from his movies before any of that. So he was kind of inspired by one of his early father's mangas. This movie was very successful in Japan, as all kind of modern Ghibli movies are, um, although op- uh, very mixed reviews uh, abroad and also in Japan, um, sometimes negative. And not that this is any of our opinions. We will see what we think, but probably you have heard maybe that Tales from Earthsea is considered the worst Ghibli movie by many. Um, so not necessarily critically successful, like basically every other movie we've talked about. Um, some more background on Goro Miyazaki. It's the first Goro movie that we've talked about. Um, he's in his first movie. So Goro Miyazaki's son, uh, Hayao Miyazaki was a distant father to Goro growing up. Um, you know, he was extremely busy making all the movies we've talked about in the series. Not really there for him, uh, in probably after the first few years. Uh, he did draw growing up. However, uh, he didn't, I think the, the, so all of this I'm getting kind of from highly recommend checking out the 10 years with Hayao Miyazaki documentary series, specifically episode three, go ahead. Threaten me is the title. This is uh, all about Goro and Miyazaki's relationship. It's really good. Um, basically like he's like, he didn't want to be in his father's shadow. So he went into construction or landscaping. He eventually was contracted by Suzuki to design the Ghibli museum in Japan, which is gorgeous. And then he eventually was asked by Suzuki to kind of like come up with ideas for this movie when they were in the planning stages for Earthsea, cause he knew Goro liked the series and he was eventually chosen by Suzuki to, uh, direct the, the movie, 
His father did not approve of this choice. He was not involved in picking him. Um, and, and the two did not speak during production of uh, this movie. Uh, they, they did, if you watch that uh, documentary episode, their relationship is improved for Poppy Hill, which they collaborated on Girls Next Movie. We'll talk about that then. They still don't seem like they talk a lot, but they at least said some words to each other in, in that documentary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> said some words. Yeah. Um, so interesting relationship here i mean you might think based on the fact that it's miyazaki's son he got favoritism from miyazaki himself but it was definitely not miyazaki uh who was in charge of of this decision and so uh, the other thing you know is goro had no previous experience in the animation industry and then dives right in to direct this movie wow yeah that's crazy yeah oh Um, man and so, you know, we've, we talked about how Miyazaki was 40 before he ever got to direct after mm-hmm. toiling in the early anime industry for like 20 years before that. So I could think, you know, that's probably behind his disapproval here. He's like, you know, this isn't how it works. You're supposed to earn your stripes. And and uh, he, you know, Goro just kind of is able to to skip all that and, and, and direct here. Um, yeah. OK, so you can any in your initial thoughts, if you have any Goro comments, you can include them. But uh, let's let's get uh History with Tales from Earthsea and your thoughts on this movie, Michelle. So I think um, I read a couple of these books, not all of them in college. Um, so I had a little background, but mm. it's it's been a minute. Um, I, I think I actively looked this up after watching Howl because I was like, you know, it's hype. I'd seen like a handful of Ghibli movies. I want to see more. And it was like one of the ones that never came up. So I was just like, oh, it's got a dragon on the like promo material. Like this is probably going to be a lot like Howl. That's exciting. It's from another cool British lady who writes high fantasy. Like what could go (laughs) wrong? And watched it. And I I, I guess I assumed it was going to be like a Hayao Miyazaki movie. And I just remember maybe about halfway through it, just kind of like my heart started to sink. And I was like, why does none of this feel like like it has a soul? I think that was like my like that was the realization I came to because like I hadn't watched it since until for this. And there was like I, I barely remembered the plot. All I really remembered was like, you know, the very, very end and just this feeling of like, all these beautiful, pretty things are happening on the screen, but it feels, I feel so distant from them. And I couldn't for so long put my finger on like why that was. And I think I have a a little more understanding now. We'll talk about it. I mean, it looks great. It has some of like, I mean, the song I think is really strong too. Like I think the soundtrack's really solid. Um, All the characters look and feel like Ghibli characters. It's just like, maybe part of it's like the tone it's just like these books are not like known for being really fun the way Dino and Jones books are I mean they're a little more serious and a little more adult and I uh I don't know it's just it was a very interesting choice I think for Ghibli as a studio at all to take this on just given the source material but I mean an ambitious decision, especially adapting four books in one go. Like that's a lot. And I commend Goro for just kind of jumping into the deep end of the pool. Like that's not easy, but he did it. So I mean that's that's worth something. Yeah, he went he went for it. He I went think. for it. Yeah. <laughs> he really went for it. Yeah. Um Okay, yeah, I'm glad you released uh, a little bit of background on the the book series. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting stuff. April, how about you? What's your what's your history with Earthsea and your thoughts on this movie? Um, so I have no history of Earthsea. <laughs> I didn't know it existed until you were like, you asked us all like what movies we had seen and like stuff like that. And I was like, I don't, I don't know this movie. <laughs> Apparently, it exists. Uh, so how dare? Uh, yeah, it, it's there. Um, that being said. Um, I'm, I'm glad to know some of this background history a little bit now, because sometimes that does kind of put things into place, like how it's supposed to, like, I saw that it was two hours long and I was like, okay, like this is a lengthy movie. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this movie is two hours long. <laughs> oh no. You and you watching it, you felt that way? Yes. Oh. So, um, yeah, but I guess like okay, like you're trying to do like four books worth in an entire movie, so I guess like that's to be like I guess my I'll tip my hat to you, Goro, for your beautiful attempt. But I really like I agree with Michelle whenever she said that it was like I'm watching all of these pretty things, but I feel so distant, and that was kind of the sense that I was getting from this movie as well. Uh, they kind of just like throw you in there and it was a little bit jarring and I was like I don't know who these characters are I can't relate to anybody like what are you doing like (laughs) so um, and I know that's something that like we kind of talked about a lot with like Hells is that we talked about like the characters and everything but like I just like I didn't feel for any of the characters like they kind of felt flat for me um the life versus death like message is uh, very interestingly portrayed with the whole like dragon stuff. Uh, but I did think that this movie was very pretty. Uh, the CG was blended very nicely in with all of the animation. And I liked the soundtrack and the music and the songs. Uh, I did. Oh, also side note, I watched the dub of this. And- oh. Because. <laughs> Well, because I was worried that if I, like, that I would, like, my mind would stray in the middle of it. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to focus in. I'm going to watch the dub. Um, Because sometimes I'll get really distracted when I'm watching subs because I'm, like, I'm attempting to learn Japanese. And so I'll be like, ooh, I recognize that. And then, like, it becomes a thing. So... Okay. Well, I'm, I'm gonna have questions on uh, Willem Dafoe, and then oh also, also I apparently Cheech, Cheech Marine is it? Yes, <laughs> he plays my favorite character. In yeah, this movie. that's your favorite character. Okay, I will explain why. Okay, later. Okay, <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's a movie. Is all I'm gonna say. Okay. That's- <laughs> <laughs> not not the most glowing Dylan's review. Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I'm curious to see how Dylan. Yeah. I have a good I'm take. Curious. I have a good reaction. Okay. 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 Yeah. So, um, I Tales from Mercy. I this is you know I've talked about a handful, which I was not a fan of this one growing up, and this I I really didn't think this was very good when I watched it as a teenager. Only things I remembered from this movie are the stuff on the in the cottage, like with the farm, which is a lot of the movie. So I remembered like, and then I remember the remembered a dragon at the end. Yeah, I remember. And the so dragon. I was expecting a lot more dragon stuff at the end, but it's only really at the very end. So that's all I remember is just there's a dragon somewhere at the end of the movie. Um, okay, so 
Uh, I really liked it watching it this time. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I, so this, I think at this point, like, you have to expect that I'm going to love uh, every single movie. Because it just, I'm, like, diving so much into them. So I'm seeing all the strengths with, That's like, true. like so I'm, like, yeah. putting so much effort. Like, But uh, the biggest thing is I love the ending of this movie. Oh, my God. I was completely riveted by the ending of this. And I didn't expect it. Like, I didn't expect that I'd be so emotionally impact, impacted by just this this kind of like i agree that I, that it's like a little bit soulless relative to other ghibli movies for a lot of it but the ending i was just uh like so like the part where um like the the wizards like killing uh Teru and uh Aaron, like not like lift himself up on the, like that was just terrifying like to watch it was like horrifying watching teru suffer it's like like one of the like probably the scariest thing i've seen in a ghibli movie and then uh just the the dragon transformation it was just it was like for some reason it was pure magic for me this whole ending of this movie the song i love the song at the end i think it's so gorgeous like the entire ending of the movie so this is one of the ones that like really gets there at the end for me and i do think the ending is legitimately a good like a uh, part of the scene of it's definitely like the best part of the movie probably um like i think it's like really well crafted the animation of uh Cobb the the wizard like incredible at the end and that was my other main reaction is I think this movie is so gorgeous like I didn't remember that at all but this is I think like not as gorgeous as Miyazaki's but like right there like I think it's like kind of right there in terms of the animation um and yeah they've gotten incredibly good uh tables when incorporating the CG at this point and um I was and you know like if you've listened to me on the podcast out lately I'm really appreciating things with incredible animation and I do think this movie like really shines with its with its animation the backgrounds are stunning um there's one background of uh right in the beginning when they get to hort town like when they're looking down at it is that it's it's like the most detailed gorgeous background i've ever seen um so i i'm just I, and and yeah all the the stuff with the slime the, the blobbed uh cob and the old skeletal cob at the end and when he's on fire like I, all of that was just super gorgeous um so that that's like all the the good like the ending it's gorgeous i do think a lot of the movie's a little boring i, I had the same reaction like really this is two hours i, I was like hoping mm, at least it was nine thank but, you but um <laughs> yeah but it was a it was a little boring lot but this is a lot more solid narratively than i remembered like we're coming off of howl's moving castle we spent a decent Ooh. amount of time on that podcast criticizing yeah. how a lot of howl's doesn't really make sense no. and of course that there's things in this movie that do not make sense like her turning into a dragon at the end uh but or, like, the whole movie? <laughs> no, I actually... So, I was going to say, I thought the, the... I was following the logic of this movie more than Howl's. I'll say that. Like, I, I thought this was, like, a solid... Okay. Epic I, I fantasy will say, movie. I didn't have to start this movie over like three times. <laughs> you did have to do that for Yeah. By, by the way, we we criticized uh, Howl's a fair amount. I think Howl's incredible, like incredible, incredible movie. And this movie is like not as good, obviously. But um, so like <laughs> despite the unexpected, I thought it was very solid narrative. But yeah, I mean, I, I understand the soullessness, the characters. I mean, there's like a little, a few parts of this movie which like actively pissed me off, which we can talk about. And then, but then other than the ending, I do think there's like a handful of great scenes throughout this movie. So I like this a lot more than I expected to. Um, I think that if you are, uh, if, if you can buy into it enough, I think that it can sweep you away at the, in the end, is what I'll say about Earthsea. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did you guys, you guys like the ending at all as much as me? Like, definitely not as much. But did you, do you agree with me that that's the best part of the movie? I mean, I was happy that she didn't actually die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. No, but, but I, like I do agree like it it is it's very like 
pleasing to look at. Like it looked very, it's very gorgeous. And like, even like whenever, um, like Cobb is on fire, I was just like, that looks good. Like, all right. You know? So, um, and he was very creepy at the end. And I love, I love like that creepy sort of like hollow eyed, like animation kind of thing when it comes to villains, uh, Mm, which you only really ever see in, you know, like anime and, and stuff like that. So it was really kind of like, I don't know. I loved it. I love that part of it. Yeah, but. yeah, you, yeah. You see that like hollow eyed like type of anime, like. But I've never. I didn't expect to see it in a in a Ghibli movie. I was kind yeah, of. Uh, I didn't I remember that say, part. It threw me off, and so it th- that definitely threw me off. And I do remember being like very frustrated at the end, not because of like the movie, but because of what was going on. I was just like, Aaron, can you please just climb up? Like uh-huh. she is going to die. So I yeah. Wasn't it's, it's 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 you have a strong reaction that part right yeah so like that the end i did i guess i did have a strong reaction too so i mean for me that's like i'm like terrified at the notion of being stuck like hanging from a sword and like i have my upper body strength is not enough to pull my like i'm like that is like digging oh, into fears of mine dead. i guess right like <laughs> uh, oh my god like uh and and then like he like doesn't get up in time and she's dead i just i didn't remember that and i didn't expect it like i don't know if i've been that shocked at uh mostly because i remember the rest of these movies and i just didn't remember this part but uh, i think that's like one of the more shocking things we've seen um yeah, Michelle, what do you what do you think of what was your assessment of the ending? Uh I I, I don't know. I, I was sad when it looked like Terry was gonna die, but it's also like it's not Aaron's job to save her. Why are we doing this with both of the ladies? Like, what is going on here? And I couldn't remember if this is how it went down in the <laughs> books or not. And I was just like <laughs> I assume oh. not. I mean, one thing I did get kind of upset about is that Teru could change back into a human after she became a dragon because I, I, yeah. And like, please, commenters, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe that's something you can do because what little I do remember is like, and see, so my, my biggest thing with the movie, like, I do agree with you, Dylan, that like, this movie makes in general more narrative sense than Miyazaki's version of Howl's Movie Castle. Because in that, you have like this wonderful first half and then it evolves into this very confusing like war is bad but also we got romance going on and like I I guess that's more important right now which is not reflective of the book I think this is probably a lot more reflective of the actual books which is to Goro's credit but from what I can does she turn into a dragon in the book and it's a big deal it's a big deal because one of the biggest things about this book, like this, is a very high fantasy book series, so it, it goes very deep into like political stuff and world building. But one of the things is, is like the magic is very gendered. Like if you are a wizard in this world, you have a lot more options and prestige. Like you might work with kingdoms, you might be very well known. Like a lot of people respect you. If you're a woman who's like a witch with magic, like you're very like. <sighs> you're kind of set siloed into like very specific things and you, you like might live in kind of like a, a community off somewhere in the forest or something. Like you don't have the prestige prestige of like male wizards. And that's a very big deal in Tara's life. Like part of her, like she is very like terrorized and a lot of bad stuff happens to her and it sucks. And it's like very adult themes, but like part of what made that like more thought provoking provoking was that like, 
her and they they sort of explain this a tiny bit in the beginning of the movie but i don't think it's enough that you can really understand because like the whole thing is like the something's wrong the balance of magic right so like everything like that's why the dragons apparently were maybe fighting in the beginning because like they're not supposed to do that something's wrong the balance it's all cops fault. he messed with things he shouldn't have messed with but the balance is supposed to be like either you're like a wizard or a witch or you choose to, or you're like a dragon like that's part of the balance or you're, you're a dragon water, yeah, that, those are the only two options. <laughs> those are the, I, I, I didn't mean, get that last part at all. I know. Yeah. So like the thing, like with Teru, I think is like part of her deciding to be a dragon is like deciding. Her, yeah, she just she decided to be a dragon. <laughs> she was a dragon before. She did that. She was You're saying this like it's obvious. This does it, not make any not, sense relative yeah, to the like, movie. Wait a second. I was confused. <laughs> I was already oh. confused with her just becoming a dragon, but apparently it was her choice. But it's like no, I, but she's I, also totally apparently the she's the black dragon from the beginning of the movie that's fighting the other dragon. Wait, maybe no, what? I, thought, I, I no, I thought that was too. Like, um, I mean, it might be dragons. two separate dragons. Was, was it, was she looks like the dragon? she definitely looks like the uh, the one in the beginning. That would be very confusing maybe, if that was true. That, I'm even more confused. Okay, oh. I'll just finish my thought anyway. <laughs> even if it's like not right, basically, like what I remember. Um, and now I'm worried that my memory is totally not you, true. You know more than us but, about the book, so you can yeah. go ahead. What yeah. I remember about this, because like when I was reading some of these books, I was really stuck on just like the genderedness of the magic and how intentional that was in the story and how like kind of like upsetting, but like not like realistic because it's magic, but you know, like it's just like it, this, these books had a lot to say on that and how it affected like the world. And Terry deciding to be a dragon felt like this really beautiful way of like, She's choosing something outside of that, like, BS dichotomy of the wizards and witch, like, Ness. Like, you know, like, oh, oh, dragon's a completely separate thing. And mm. it's a way for her to have that magic on her own terms in a new form that no one can confine and tell what to do. And it's kind of like a release from all of that man-made, like, nonsense. And, like, that was so beautiful to me. But, like, from what I can remember, that decision came with the consequence of like she can never go back to being like in a human form. Like that is the price of it. Like she, she she's a dragon forever now. So to see her turn back into a human so she can like I don't know hook up with Aaron later. Yeah. It's like it felt like a weird like you can have your cake and eat it too, but like in a less meaningful way because then it's like. Well, then she is still kind of tied to that dumb dichotomy when she's in her human form, I guess. And it's only when a drag, when she is a dragon that she can be free, yeah. but she can okay. do whatever she wants. And it's like, ugh, not, not, fine, so not, not but... having, uh, not having any context from the book. I did not get that at all in terms yeah. of her choosing to be a dragon in terms of her uh, like choose, well, turning back. Like none of that of is course, like, really. Yeah. Advanced. They don't explain a lot. And I think like, that's the thing. Like you, you get that, like. Okay, Aaron killed his dad. Why? Well, I guess he was mad at him. He seems like a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. We don't know why. Like, we, Aaron, we eventually learn it's like about his shadow, and like it kind yeah, of explains that a little bit. I'm not sure if that was literal or metaphorical, though, because people saw his shadow form too. Like that kind of stuff really confused me. And like mm. I understood to the the extent that like they had a lot of you know info dumping at the very end scenes where they're like, oh, Aaron's thing is like he doesn't respect life. Like that's why Tara like wasn't trusting him. But, like, it, it, also he was, like, kind of depressed and just, like, he let his fear of death, like, concern him to an extent where it was kind of taking over his body and making him kill people. And and that just feels like we needed a lot more explanation 
And I think a lot of things need a lot. Yeah. A lot of things need a lot of explanation. And that's kind of, I don't know. I think that's part of why I, I feel like this, this movie focused so much on like trying to explain the plot, but not really giving us characters that felt like real people. And that's what I meant by it felt a little soulless. Like we, we understand the very barest bones of what's going on with the story. And we have a rough idea of who these characters are based on how other people talk about them or whatever they do in the movie. But it's not, there, there's no like personal connection to these people, like any any one of them, except for Hare. And the only reason Hare is my favorite character is because he is the only one in this movie who was having a good time and just being a ridiculous <laughs> villain. He was the goopiest, most insane person. And I feel like maybe this movie needed more of that. Maybe this movie was just taking itself a little too seriously. And that's why it was hard to connect with anyone else. Like, honestly, I feel like... <laughs> That's kind of like the conclusion I've come to personally at this point. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't even have Hare written down on my characters list, but I, that's he's the most part. fun. Like he's I, a horrible man, but like he's the funnest character. He's probably more fun in the dub. I feel like I don't know. He is, um, <laughs> <a lot of laughs> he is pretty fun. Cheech going out there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, okay. It, it seemed like the perfect like voice to play that that character. It really too. does. Like, I didn't question it for like two seconds. I was like, this voice fits. Like I'm here. Okay. I was like, this checks out. I That's yeah. Good. I, I have a lot, I have a lot of follow ups to or things topics from what Michelle was talking about. Um. So, <laughs> so for, in terms of the soul, like I think the soullessness of the character. I mean, I think that is completely fair. Um. But I will say, um, and this is probably just a me reaction, by the end of this movie, I was super into Aaron and Teru and their ship. Like, this, like, okay. movie really got me on board on, uh, I think mostly because they have a lot of really gorgeous scenes together. A lot of, like, really heartful. I think the best scenes of the movie are with the two of them um, towards the middle and towards the end. Um, and so, I don't know, it's like, oh, she's a dragon, that's awesome, and she turns back, and like, oh, man. It's awesome that she's a dragon, I Like, uh, yeah, turn back to, to be your boyfriend, then go back to being a dragon at the end, and go fly with the dragons. Yeah, that's great, let's do it. It doesn't really happen, but... Um, I, I like, like, this is one of the things I've, one of the things I've shipped the most with the uh, Ghibli movies is Aaron and Teru, like, they're alone of the relationships. I, I mean, and I'll expand that in a more objective way. I think, I feel like this is one of the more developed relationships in, in Ghibli movies. Um, and, uh, you know, and it starts off badly because the second point popped to, it sounds so, from what you said, Michelle, it sounds like the, he got this from the books, but I think Goro does not really handle, um, feminism or sexism in this world well. No, um, not at all. Like, for, first of all, it's 20 minutes until Teru is introduced. And as like, there's really no girls in this movie. Like, there's like literally none for <laughs> yeah. a long time. But the there's thing that... like three in this movie. Yeah. Eventually, mm-hmm. you get Teru and uh, Tenar. Tenar is not too much of a character. And um, one of them gets captured to go into the slave trade. So, I mean, that's doing yeah, well. well. And then our, our <laughs> and also the slave... Yeah, the this slavery aspect this movie is unnecessary. Um, you know, it's very unnecessary. It's the drugs for one scene, which has nothing oh, to do with anything. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So the, show Aaron his sheltered boy life as a prince. Like, he's been missing out on the yeah, yeah, slavery like, <laughs> and drugs of his kingdom. I guess that's what they're... No, I think overall it says from the movie, I think, like, once they get to the cottage with Aaron and Taro, I think the movie improves a lot. But before that, there's a lot of expositioning unnecessarily. I don't care about the slave trade and so I don't care about the drugs. 
drugs. Don't care yeah. about the politics of the castle. Um, so it, it settled. It does settle in for the majority of the movie, but it, I think it takes a little bit. It, it would have made more sense if they had like tied the whole slave trade thing to like Cobb and his mission. But he was really just like, oh, that's my merchandise. Yeah, it's like Cobb has slaves, but it doesn't yeah. seem to matter. Yeah, slave trader. Like they're connected. Why? Okay, the thing. Well, it's why I, Cobb's like, a bad person. I can't I forgive. I, like, I know that Sparrowhawk's supposed to be everyone's favorite boy. Like. Everyone talks Is about he? him with like such esteem. But okay, listen. When it gets to the part where Aaron just like mindlessly gets captured because he just wanders off and suddenly he's a slave and Sparrowhawk comes for him. <laughs> it it made me so upset that Sparrowhawk is like, Oh yeah, I'll save this one kid. All the rest of you, you can keep being slaves. I'm not gonna like lift a finger to help. And, oh you. yeah, they they <laughs> had the throwaway line of I I took off their chains, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. He did, I, yeah I had the same reaction. Did. I'm like, really? You're not gonna free yeah, all of them? Really? Yeah. Like, a good guy help these people they're right here you like, are you gonna even it. tell them that you unshackled them or are you just yeah. gonna let you them just even tell them it <laughs> picked up his one boy and left and i was like buddy this is not a good look for you right now i, I agree it was not a good look okay, by the way Spar- sparrowhawk uh, looks uh, very similar to me to the mythical uh mem- person man that nausicaa is supposed to be like he t- nausicaa turns out he to be the jesus on like the mural, yeah yeah like in the like flashes of nausicaa he looks like that uh like mythical that person weird. i yeah. see it yeah I think <laughs> um the the part of this movie which really pisses me off which again it sounds like it kind of is coming from the books but our introduction to teru is her oh, being assaulted uh, by uh yeah. i already forgot hare this is my number, probably my number one least favorite trope is when the female character is introduced by either A, being assaulted, or B, naked, which happens in, like, a lot of anime. Oh, um, yes. So, like, uh, it just it is a bad look and already sets up the power dynamics, I feel like, in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you, like, tie her to the post at one point, and then Tenar gets yeah. captured. And, like, I will, I'll love with you guys. It took me to looking up the wiki for this movie to figure out what her name was, because all I remember is them just saying, you're a woman woman's like in the castle you gotta go get your woman if you want to see her again i was like what is her name though she's just a girl i don't know her name or tenor tenor yeah ten- no they yeah. don't say tenor's name much yet also tara's just a weird name so it took a while for me to understand like her name yeah. i feel like but yeah. uh, and her fake name is so close to her real name i'm like they're oh, it is it's so Damn. similar yeah it's so funny <laughs> i was like name. did yeah, you just tell him the same name <laughs> i was like Okay, and the, the third, uh, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I like this is a big separator for Miyazaki movies. Miyazaki movies actively feminist. This movie, you know, kind of sexist, but it's it's he's trying to depict this like sexist world of the books. It seems like, but uh, yeah, does I feel it doesn't do a great job. No. Um, and the the, the, the the last reaction to what Michelle was talking about. So uh, this is something I read about. I don't have a quote, but um, from Danny Carvalho's uh, book Hayao Miyazaki's World Picture. Um, I thought she had an interesting observation about how this movie is really. Uh, grim, dark in a way that none of Miyazaki's movies are. Um, like the grim, like I feel like this is a very uh, grim fantasy, and all of um, uh, the elder Miyazaki's movies are very uh, like happy or vibrant. And um, I found this interesting rewatching that episode three of Ten Years with Hayao Miyazaki because uh, one, this is, I mean, this is a Poppy Hill thing, but in Poppy Hill, Miyazaki is eventually like, hey, I don't think the main character or anyone in this movie is lively enough. And then uh, <laughs> Suzuki agree, like agrees with him and then like makes uh, Goro like redo every storyboard to make the character more lively. That's like a big uh, development in the production of Poppy Hill. So it seems like this is kind of just Goro's style is to have like a grimmer, 
um, sense. And it's kind of hard to distinguish between grim because I think that's really valid to have like a grim. Fa- I mean, Game of Thrones is super popular. Like, I have a grim fantasy movie, um, but it, it feels like he is missing a little bit of the the soul or liveliness of yeah. Miyazaki's yeah, characters. I, it's almost like he he's mistaking the grimness. Like, and it's coming, it's like he's portraying it as soullessness. He's like, oh, well, if I want things grim, then I need these characters to just fall short of happiness or something along those no lines. No one's very ever happy. I, yeah. I will say, yeah. I, end up, I end up loving Taro in this movie. Um, I, I think she, she does display a lot of, uh, like, liveliness eventually. And, uh, like, I do, feel, I do feel like she's a really good character by then, despite her, like, terrible introduction. Um, so I don't think it's, like... You know, but in general, I mean, RN, you know, like he's uh, he he's very listless. Like, you know, he reminded me of like there's like a certain kind of movie where like a male director does like a fantasy movie with like a girl main character. He's like, yeah, I'm going to like put her in a suit of armor and like give her a sword and she's going to be so cool. But then the whole movie, she's just kind of reacting to other characters and doesn't really have a sense of direction. Like, I feel like that was like the main problem with Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, right? It's like, wow, she has so many cool outfits every time she meets a new person in this world. But like the plot is just happening to her. She doesn't make a lot of choices. Like yeah, she's not, she's a yeah. dragon. At yeah. The end. And Aaron <laughs> is very much that. Like, he's Oh, Aaron. Kind of, yeah. he's, he's very listlessly moving through this, world accidentally gets like put into slavery for a hot second but then like Sparrowhawk's there to save him and, it, and it's not until the end when mm-hmm. I feel like Terry's life's in danger that he really steps into anything that seems like he's making an active choice and like it seems like he's sort of grieving his father but also he's like so tormented by his sadness but then I, I don't feel like his sadness was like, explained enough up front to like really yeah. feel for him deeply and personally and I feel like it's I don't know. It's been so easy for so long with Ghibli movies to be able to feel deeply and personally with a lot of characters that not being able to do that with most of these guys was just like really it was it was like probably the biggest surprise because like I can deal with like a plot just being a plot. But like not being able to relate to any of the characters is like very it's such a challenge. And I don't, I don't love that. And I feel like that, at least for like Aaron specifically, I feel like him being listless was like, that's not a personality though. It's just like a way of moving through the world, but that's not like who you are, like who actually are you? And I feel like they sort of figure out a little bit who he is towards the very end, but like, I wish we'd gotten a lot of his feelings about things a lot sooner instead of just like him making a contorted face and being like, oh, what does that mean? Oh, we don't know yet. Okay, two more hours. We'll we'll find out what's going on there. Eventually. Yeah, yeah, I think that is um very, very fair point. I feel like we did to, we do kind of take for granted uh, Miyazaki's leads being so incredible and relatable. The only lead that uh, when you're you're describing are and the only Miyazaki lead that I feel like at all is kind of that is Ashitaka in Mononoke. Um, and it's a, and I think that's intentional as he's supposed to be kind of a mythic figure. And I think maybe I don't know a little bit with Aaron, but not really. You're right. He does it until he unsheets his sword at the end is when he has any sort of agency. I think it's a good point. Yeah, well, and it's it's funny because whenever I was watching this, I like I legitimately had the thought to myself. I was like, "Man, whoever's voicing Aaron just got it off so easy. They just got to go <laughs> into the studio, and then all they have to do is just talk like this because that's how he talked the entire." April, movie. isn't oh, that how it be up. for all anime boys though? April, oh, isn't that so how it be? No, <laughs> it's not how it be. It's not so loose. 
It's not. And I, I think, think it's for like, some. I think that was also like part of the reason why like Aaron is just so like he I'm like I'm, I'm interested to know who you are but you're not giving me anything like Yeah, like all we know is that you're in a bad place but we we don't I think because he's so listless like he just like it's like he doesn't even have the capacity to react to things and maybe that's because he's just so sad but it's we're not getting enough details but to be able to like put that together quick enough I feel well, and you're not even getting like a sense of sadness from him you're literally just getting like a blank piece of paper and I'm like do you even feel bad because I yeah. can't do you feel tell. bad killing your dad it, yeah. it took till the end of the movie for me to understand that he actually did regret killing his dad and, and it wasn't that his dad was a bad person who did who deserved to die which is what I assume because like yeah. what kid yeah. just kills their dad for no reason and I and I think the whole like the whole shadow thing, I don't I don't think that like worked as his excuse or as a reason for him to act the way that he did. Because like unless you're gonna give me more explanation, like oh this shadow self has been haunting me my entire life, and I you know it takes a lot to like subdue it and all of this stuff but we don't even get any of that it's just like oh well it's the shadow who does it and i'm just gonna run away because that's that's the answer to everything right like yeah i feel like oh, part of this me. this is my angsty <laughs> part of the shadow thing i wonder if it's tied to like the, the stuff being out of balance or not but it does seem like if his thing is like he's afraid of his mortality, which honestly I find very interesting for like a 17 year old, like I don't see a lot of teens being afraid of death quite as much as older people. Like I do think that's interesting and it sets him apart that that's something he fears, but we don't have any backstory for like why though? Did like yeah. something happen to, to like, prompt it, this fear? And it, why does killing your dad and literally ending his life help with your fear of death? Like, wouldn't that make it even worse, you know? Maybe. Well, and I even, like, tried to, like, justify it in my brain. I was like, okay, maybe the shadow is just supposed to represent his anxiety mm-hmm. over maybe, yeah. his mortality. Yeah. I was like, because that would make sense. But that not even that, like, fell into place for me. And I think that if you, if anyone should have a, like, be more fearful of death, it would be uh, Teru because, like, they kind of gave you, like, her backstory, like, how she was abused and stuff like that. And yeah. I was like, okay, like, I could understand that character feeling that way. But, like, Arn yeah. was a prince or something. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so I'll say about the shadow stuff again. I think all that's fair because it's not explained in the movie. Uh, I didn't it didn't connect with me like logically but thematically <laughs> this this worked the that the shadow okay. stuff with Aaron and to me that's why his character isn't like I don't think he's a great character at the end but to me like when you understand that it's his shadow that killed his dad and that's a part of him and it manifests as a separate part like all that tied his character together enough for me that I was fine with him but yeah his shadow like it worked for me not even any of the uh fear of death thing you guys were talking about I'm a little was a little confused with that I don't know if he was introduced by Cobb and like forced it, that he like forced that narrative on him or if that was a real part of Aaron's story um but just Aaron's general like the shadow is like this part of himself that's like a manifestation of his anxiety his depression that his grimness like and it was really effective to me that that was like part of him and also manifests as a literal other being like to me I think that like uh thematically 
resonated. The fact that this is, uh, it's, it's this other part of him. And as he's describing it to, to Teru, and then the Teru interacting with the shadow, and then, and then real Aaron and Teru again after Teru talks to the shadow. Like, um, the, and I think an important part is how Teru ties into that as Teru learns about this and, uh, helps, uh, Aaron through it. But, um, I, like, very, I mean, again, I don't have any explanation beyond just the shadow is like a thematic representation of his inner, and his inner strife. Um, but that did work enough, I think, for me. Um, but again, like, you know, why is he separate? Why is it separate just for RN? Why is it, uh, why, what, what happened to prompt this? You know, yeah. I agree. No, none of that is really in the movie. I do wonder maybe like RN, like Teru, maybe he has some sort of magic ability inside him because like that Kanakli is a part of this world. Like you have Sparrowhawk, who's like a prolific wizard, um, so like there are people who have like magic and maybe for Aaron, if he is like a magical person, maybe that's part of how you could explain his shadow for manifesting, uh, like physically separate from his body. Like that's how his magic ended up manifesting because of his like negative emotions, like maybe, but that's, I mean, that, that was never explained. So I can't say that for yeah. sure, obviously, but that yeah. would help me a little. It's like, oh, well, it's like, okay, it makes sense in the world of the show, at least because, because it's just him. That's what makes it a little confusing. I definitely think this movie could use one more minute explaining why he is the shadow and then another yeah, 30 yeah. seconds explaining why Terra's the dragon at the end. <laughs> However, for me, for whatever reason, both things really work despite not being explained. I like, I don't know, not really work. The dra- Terra being a dragon really worked. Uh, the shadow thing, I think, worked enough. And, and its relationship to Iron and Terra's relation. It, it, uh, its relationship to Iron and Terra's relationship, yeah, I think uh, is worked enough for me. So, um, but you know, in a movie that over expositions in the beginning, it it does not actually explain core mythology elements, which I think is frustrating to a lot of people. Yeah. Oh yeah. So speaking. Okay, speaking of um, Aaron, I think uh, there's a part of that in the only quote I have to read, which is uh, Colin O'Dell and Michelle LeBlanc's uh, book, Studio Ghibli: The Films of Hayao Miyazaki and Isao Takada. They have. The, they're talking about the over their overall assessment of this movie. So there's a lot here. We can we can take it part by parts. But they say Tales from Earthsea's combination of fantasy, magic, dragons, and quests is an enticing one. Unfortunately, the simple plot, two rival wizards, mixed with complex subplots, taking in four novels, makes for uneven viewing. The problem is compounded by a lack of context for the main characters, particularly Aaron, who we see, who we first see killing his father. Sub- subsequently, it's difficult for the audience to identify with him as a hero. Um, so I want to pause there because that was the relevant part of the quote. Like, um, yeah, I think yeah. that I think that uh, notion that it's like that's how you start off this like uh, relatable great character, him killing his father, and us having not an explanation until kind of the end of the movie. Not a great foot to start your character with. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's very fair. I agree. Yeah. Okay. They continue. Nevertheless, the film is engaging. Particularly noteworthy are the backdrop paintings that at times seem to glow from the screen and the exemplary architectural designs. Um, Miyazaki Goro had to live up to Ghibli's unassailable hold on public consciousness. If he had rigorously adapted the book or closely imitated his father's style, people would have complained about the lack of imagination. If he had diverged further from the book and experimented more in the style, people more with the style, people would have accused him of folly or hubris. In the end, they did both. Tales from Earthsea is an Tales from Earthsea is an ambitious film that has moments that border on brilliance, but does occasionally suffer from fluctuating pacing. For any other animation studio, Tales from Earthsea would be a jewel in their crown, and such minor quibbles ignored. Just not for Studio Ghibli. 
Um, I think two great points at the end there. One, Goro in, in an impossible situation with this movie. There's literally no way he would not have been criticized, even if this was really good. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's that is very true. So I think I think you have to keep that in mind. Number two, uh, and by the way, uh, Odell and LeBlanc also said this about Cat Returns. Like these are considered like not as good as the Miyazaki movies. This, you know, this movie in particular is often considered the worst Ghibli movie. For any other studio, this is a great movie. Like if this if Tales from Earthsea is released in America in this year, it is by far the best animation release of the year of one of the best of the last five years. Like. Um, I mean, I have a higher opinion of it uh, than, than a lot of people, but, uh, you know, you just don't see movies gorgeous like this, like, and original, like original type movies that aren't in the same style. We see all that, like, this is, this is like, uh, for Ghibli, this is like not as good as the other ones. I still think it is a, a very good movie kind of like based relative to other films, especially other animated films. I see that take. I think, honestly, one of my biggest pet peeves that will forever plague me with animation is if you have something that's so beautiful but does not make narrative sense or does not emotionally compel you. I think that is, like, the biggest travesty in the world just because animation takes so long to do and it feels like such a waste if you can get something to look so good but then to not hit you in any kind of personal way. And that's not something that's like unique to Earthsea, but like there's something about seeing it in animation that just like hurts me on a level that nothing else quite does. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I was really impacted by this movie. It did really, uh, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. I think it's definitely an individual reaction, but I definitely think a lot of people hold that opinion um, about this movie that Michelle has. Um, <laughs> I mean, there are lots of pros. I mean, and I don't know, like if this if this had been an original concept, you know, I think it would have played for me a lot differently than like, you know, the the inherent extra difficulty of adapting someone else's source material into a different sort of medium. Like that's already like an extra layer of like like of things Gore was taking on in his first ever movie and he's yeah. never done a movie before. Like for all the context around Goro, I feel like this is truly a wonderful freshman film. But in relation to just like <laughs> yeah, honestly like Ghibli as a company, it's just like it I, it feels kind of wild he was ever given this opportunity, frankly. With yeah, well, so I mean, I think that is that yeah. is not hard to argue with. I think yeah. it's uh, a crazy it's, move by Suzuki. Yeah, yeah. crazy move. <laughs> Very crazy move. Like, I wonder if he was just really mad at, like, Miyazaki, and he's like, yeah, well, I'm going to make your son direct this movie. What now? <laughs> I, I, like, I, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of Suzuki in these documentaries. I, I kind of had the sense of him. He's, like, Miyazaki's biggest fan, and so it's yeah. like, here's Miyazaki's son, who I see the talent in. Like, I yeah. need to give him his chance. I think that's kind of where he's coming. The things he was yeah. saying in that documentary you linked us to, Dylan, was that like he, he he like fell in love. It seems like with Goro's like passion and ideas mm-hmm. and imagination, which like I understand. Like if someone's pitching you something with these really nice thumbnails and like well drawn backgrounds and like the way they talk about the story in their head is so riveting and engaging. Like of course you want to see what that's gonna look like. I feel like yeah. that. Like I get it. Like and that probably was like a fair decision. It's just like. Now that you see, like, the actual context, it's like, oh, well, yeah, okay. Like, it didn't quite turn out maybe the way anyone intended, even Goro. But, like, again, that's kind of the process of making movies. They, The movie in your head is never the movie you're going to make. You just got to accept that reality. There's too many things that are going to change along the way. 
Yeah, in in the ten years with Yamazaki, like he, Suzuki talks about uh, his his imagination is Goro's yeah. uh, greatest strength, and you know I think we see it develop with uh, his his next movie, Poppy Hill, which I think is like for uh, sure is, is a great actually, is a great movie, a really good movie. Um, that is a really good movie, and we're seeing I he's currently. <laughs> You're gonna like it, April. Oh gosh! And it's very, very different from this movie. And very then I think uh, you we're seeing him direct his his next film, which will be released when we're recording this later this year, which is very exciting. Um, so you know, I think maybe there's value in 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 giving his uh, incredible animation and talent, uh, throwing it into the fire. Um, and like I said, for me, uh, like like the for the Odell and LeBlanc quote, like they said, there's there's moments that are. Uh, or like borderline brilliant like i think the ending yeah. is like straight brilliant for me and i think uh, i want to highlight some other parts that i think are brilliant so i like i i thought this is like a success for him like i think this is like a very good great movie i mean i know like most people don't agree um but uh at the very least there's like it's gorgeous and there's good stuff and of course the gorgeousness is not going to be like mo- mostly or even primarily attributed to goro it's like he's he's as the assistants of all these senior ghibli staff who've worked on some of the best looking films yeah. of all time yeah i think um, honestly that's where most of my criticism really comes from it's like he just for for ghibli be- having like the resources that they did to give him such a wild chance shot like I mean, I get it, but I also feel like there are probably peop- a lot of people who could have made maybe more sense of this just given that they had more time in the industry. And I mean, yeah. I don't know. Well, it's, yeah. Hard, it's hard I, to do a what if, but it's just like if this is if this is like, you know, on par with like Disney and you I mean, I don't know. It's just like. Goro kind of was able to just fail upwards a little in part because of his connection to his dad. And like, that's not his fault. He's, he's just yeah. trying to do his best, but it's like who, who are given these opportunities and, and who is most qualified. I feel like sometimes those are different things. And yeah, I mean, of, yeah. of course. And I mean, here's, here's my counter to this. Like, what if someone different instead of Goro, which by the way, uh, Le Guin thought Hayao would be directing this movie and uh, oh. be a oh. pretty big disappointment to have it go to, to Goro, I think. Um, <laughs> well, Bad for yeah, it seems like she was she was not super happy about uh, the overall movie. She had some 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 praise for, in, but uh, mostly a lot of criticism. You'll read. Um, here's my counter to this: like, what if it was someone instead of Goro? Other than Miyazaki and Takata directed movies, like outside of that, I do, and outside of. Um, Whisper of the Heart, which is a special movie. I do not think any other Ghibli movie is significantly better than this movie. Uh, like any of these later Ghibli movies. It's just my personal opinion. We'll see as, as we go, but like Arietti, Poppy, like these are like good, probably better movies than this, but I don't think this movie is like substantially worse or anything. Like if you put this movie in, uh, uh, in Yonabashi's hands, who we will see directing a few movies later for Studio Ghibli, I'm not sure that this ends up significantly better. Like I think it's, it's less about like how Goro is like deficient and it's more like Hayao Miyazaki is like it's, we don't get his super special touch I feel like that's Ew. it for me I think that's yeah. fair that's a really fair point his super special touch is <laughs> super special touch. I mean it's, it's, it's a weird way of saying that but, it is a um, weird way I, I, do, think, I yeah. the, the darkness of this movie I do think would contrast with the elder Miyazaki's style so I, I feel like it's, it's hard to imagine I feel like him taking on this material it really uh, struck me, like, again, in the documentary when Hayao was saying that, it's like, you need, you, you, this is not how a protagonist should be. A protagonist needs mm. to be, like, implying that they should be a certain way. And that really struck me just because you have, like, main characters later, like, um, and when Marnie was there, like, that main character is kind of, you know, also, like, Aaron going through things and isn't the most positive 
tenacious, upbeat. Yeah, that movie is gloomy as well. It's gloomy too, but like I feel like it works a lot better because like you just you have the ability very early on to to tap into what's going on with her, and it's relatable enough that like you're able to kind of ride that tumultuous wave with her until she's able to sort through her stuff a little more. Whereas with Aaron, I feel like they never really gave us that chance to really connect to him. And because he like starts off with a murder, it's like you're never quite sure if he's just doing that because he's unstable or if it's like, you know, we get context later, but it's, it's so much harder initially to, to reach him. And I feel like that's like, for me, the biggest drawback, like again, the plot's like, I think a lot could have been explained, but it's four books. Like I give it a pass. It looks great. It sounds great. Like it's just the, I think the weakest thing is the inability to connect with these characters. And I think that's just, that is a uniquely Earthsea problem in a way that none of the other movies seem to have. Like for even like Pompoko, I feel like I I understood. Yeah, well, Takahata has a special yeah. stuff too. I understood too, where the know? raccoon dogs were coming from. Like I always understand where everyone's. Like even if I disagree with them, like I I get it. But with with these guys, it just like for the first time ever and the last time ever, I like didn't quite understand all the time. And it, that distance was the hardest thing for me. And I yeah, feel like I mean, that's I, yeah. You know, yeah, I think that there's definitely a difference between like understanding the characters um, versus like it like understanding the characters and not liking them, but instead of just like disconnect being disconnected yeah. from them. And I think that's something like, yeah, I totally agree that this movie like lacks that because I don't mind understanding characters and not liking them, but. I, I, I feel like I there was never that opportunity to really get to know them. Because even, like, with Aaron, like, all that they really did before, like, intro- or I guess, like, his introduction is just, like, the wait staff being like, oh, he's been acting weird lately. Right. And they're like, no, he hasn't. <laughs> and then they walk away. Like... Yeah, um, I think so. I think this is like a, a really good and fair assessment in terms of like uh, we're comparing. It's like what if Yonabayashi, who we bring him up only because he directed to later Ghibli. What if he directed uh, Tales from Earthsea? And I do think uh, it's a good point from Michelle that Marnie does capture that liveliness that Miyazaki has better than this movie does. I think that the, the characters there do pop a lot, and characters are probably the strongest part of that movie. Characters are the weakest part of that of uh, this movie. So uh, I, th- I think like prob- yeah. later Ghibli director do kind of capture that i will say like uh ponyo i don't remember connecting with the characters in ponyo but so but we'll see when we talk about it i, I like I, I've, like I've been liking everyone old. yeah they are like yeah. kids but it's ariete i don't know if i click connect with them as much but um we'll see uh it's it's I, I think that's fair and again i like i i mostly agree i will say again teru i do end up really connecting and loving um so like i do think it's there's there's some and i and the other thing is on uh, is Cobb. i think is a really interesting character in terms of the <laughs> I never felt this way before about uh, Ghibli. I think Ocean Waves I, is uh, like you don't like those characters are more unlikable, but I also think like I've, there's a disconnect similar to this movie maybe with those characters um, in Ocean Waves. Of course, that wasn't a major theatrical release. Um, but uh, and and uh, rambling through a lot of uh, responses I had to what was going on. But I, the, uh, before we brought this up, which is like uh, Ghibli really is doing a lot of adaptations of books and yeah. uh, manga. Yeah. What is and- up with this? I mean, they they've done manga before, but it's like it feels like. A while now since yeah, so he had an original it, idea. It's like, them. why is he adapting four books for Earthsea? Like, a yeah, lot of these, it's like, yeah. you have to, like, think, like, maybe we shouldn't have done so many adaptations later on here. 
Um, in terms of Miyazaki himself, like he directs, like, he adapts the book in Howls, and I feel like he's best with working with original characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although, you know, K- Kiki's is an adaptation, Kiki and that's amazing. really special. Um, so, I, you know, we've had mixed results, I feel like, when they're adapting things. When it's original stories, I feel like uh, pretty 100% success rate. Um mm-hmm. But, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, Ponyo is Ponyo's original, so we'll talk about Ponyo next week. I think that's – I'm interested to see how I react to that as I've been loving each movie a lot more than previously. I want to talk about Cobb as – I think that's uh, the <laughs> second best character in this uh, movie b- behind uh, Teru. Um, Rip Hare. I still root for you, Hare. Yeah, I wouldn't have even considered Hare unless Michelle brought him up. But, uh, <laughs> he's just having – he reminds he is, me, he is, yeah. he reminds me of the kind job. of – he would ha- he be he's like the kind of villain you'd see in Cagliostro, and that's why I love it because it's just this perfect kind of cartoony nonsense, mm. and like he's terrible, but he's having fun, and like he's the only one having fun in this movie. There are very few light moments. Like I guess you could argue like the stuff on the farms like lighter than everything else, but even that's like a little solemn. Like the whole movie is very solemn, and Hari like. He's not doing fun things, but he himself is just so goofy. It's like that was the one like left. Definitely, has a lot more energy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Cobb. So the main thing. uh, So first of all, Cobb with uh, we talked about the animation with him turning into different forms at the end. Incredible. Mm -hmm. His Mm -hmm. facing off with Sparrowhawk with the the light, the lights of them uh, in the castle. I think that's like a really good scene with him. I do think all the oh, we haven't even talked about the themes. Honestly, I'll get to that in a second. It's because they're not important. Um, but yeah, I mean, what they're talking about is not as successful. I think is the presentation of their confrontation. Um, but uh, the most interesting thing for me with Cobb is uh, the presentation presentation of him as kind of an androgynous figure um and in the sub he is voiced by a woman um oh. Cobb. and uh so that's why i was like interested that willem dafoe was the casting for Cobb in the dub because i felt like Cobb, the most unique aspect is that he is kind of this androgynous figure voiced by a woman that uh to me presents very non-binary mm-hmm. um you know not that all non-binary people are androgynous or anything yeah. but like i think that that's kind of like the the impression i always get of Cobb. and i was a little struck to hear Cobb being consistently referred to as he especially when i feel like Cobb has a distinctly female voice um so i, I feel like that is a cop is a really interesting design so I, I think all of that's uh really resonant with Cobb. I was at least say, in terms I, of uniqueness i really i enjoyed like the William Defoe like voice coming out of the Cobb character just because I think that it like it kind of added to like the mystery of hi- of him her whatever Cobb is uh, but, I mean, Cobb, Cobb definitely referred to as a man in the movie yeah so uh I think it kind of like added to the mystery and made the character design even that much more interesting um at least to me and William Defoe's like performance of this it's very like creepy and mm-hmm. dark and dark and so i and it, it's almost like he's whispering to you the entire time mm. and i'm like oh william for me <laughs> stop, stop whispering things in no, my ear whis- willem do whisper come on no 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 that no. <laughs> I, I love willem defoe he's such an incredible actor like that's uh, that's a big like, draw for me of checking out the dub yeah i i I recommend it just to just so you can like hear his performance because I think he did a really well job in the role, and so and like it stood out to me that it it, it wasn't so much that I was like, oh that yeah like it's not like 
it's William Defoe. It's like, oh, that's William Defoe kind of like reaction to his voice. Cause I did have to look it up because I was like, is that William Defoe? I can't really tell. Interesting. Like, <laughs> so I feel like he's a distinctive voice. So that's interesting that you yeah, can immediately which, identify. Which is it. why I was just like, I have to, but once I knew it was him, then I was like, oh yeah, this is definitely William Defoe. Okay. But that it's because your, your mind is sort of searching for it at that point too. So it's okay. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, there's not a ton there with Cobb. I do think Cobb's introduction scene is really good. I think Cobb kind of like uh, coaxing uh, Aaron's name out of him, true name out of him. Uh, I think it's a really creepy Aaron, scene. Why did he just drink that? You don't drink things from creepy yeah. strangers. Yeah. Like, Aaron, yeah, come on, Aaron. <laughs> I have look, he almost ate those berries, okay? But, I, know, Aaron, I have no faith in him. Aaron, like, He's really lucky he has Sparrowhawk because he would be, definitely be dead if he just left a castle on his own. Oh, One yeah. thing about Cobb, like, I don't know. If he was about like, to die right in the beginning before Sparrowhawk came. So, he's so useless till the very end. It's very upsetting. Cobb, I swear on everything that he and Sparrowhawk were like a thing and now they're exes. Right, yes, that's the a good interpretation. Way Cobb talks to Sparrowhawk is such a jilted lover's thing. Like, I can't, like, I stole your new girlfriend because like we're not it's like oh my god like it is like i'm here for it like honestly it's amazing i just like yo where's their prequel that's what i want yeah the pre yes prequel <laughs> sparrowhawk cod movie no i would watch it i agree there's total vibes yeah you're right the the i t- I, t- I took your uh your new lover captive who uh yes! he, he also oh, he, yeah. it def- it definitely he calls tamara's lover vibes. and we don't even see them romantic at they all they are actually. romantic <laughs> <laughs> and what is it? it they kept calling uh tenar like his woman yeah like, better go get your woman and i'm like are they together was it's like they don't even use her name she's just yeah, this woman they, it's so on, sad Cobb, you, you're out of the loop Cobb. sparrowhawk's gay loop, you don't know that he's, he's gay come on no i don't know i like yeah I, I get those great vibes i feel like they have did yeah, they do have a lot of tension and uh mm-hmm. Chemistry in their face history. off. Yeah, they definitely have a history. It's like, oh, you dragged me to hell, and like right? uh, whatever that whatever that yeah. means in the mythology. But um, yeah, it's like, whoa, and, and now Cobb uh, wants revenge. And so it's, we can quickly talk about the themes of light. Li- we talked about this life and death. Um, Cobb constantly is talking about uh, wanting a, a, eternal life, and then they're constantly telling Cobb, "Don't deny death. Like that's not right." Like so, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and that fits with the overall theme of balance, which I yeah, do think is, yes. you know, we're very familiar with Avatar the Last Airbender. It's the main theme of Avatar is balance. And uh, we, uh, you know, there are, we, everything's out of balance in the beginning. And we eventually learn, not that this movie makes it super clear, but it's out of balance because Cobb is trying to have immortal life, um, I think. Uh, I think so. so yeah. It's yeah. crazy that one person can have such a huge impact on the world. I <laughs> know. It's like it was just I guess him? it's because they're like, the most powerful mages but yeah. uh that was my impression so i think those theme you know i think they're just uh, backdrops for me for the movie and then i think there's also a theme a theme of identity with the names which i i yes. found so they, they have their their true name i thought this i i, I got flashbacks to spirited away with t- uh, taking away yes. chihiro's name um so i think feel you know, feel like he's uh younger miyazaki Goro is definitely influenced by his father in in making this and i think maybe takes uh is influenced by that theme there i think the true names thing is is one of the more interesting parts of this this movie's mythology not that it like ever really explains what's going on there but uh just like everything has a true name if you give someone your true name you can let it control you 
Um, I think, it's, you know, you know that, that's as deep as it gets, but I think that's kind of interesting. It's a nice idea. I, I didn't feel like I needed a lot more, but I would I would have loved more explanation, obviously. That's probably not the top of your list for it. things to get explained. No, yeah, there, I yeah. Like yeah. we could have taken it out of the movie and it would have been okay. <laughs> yeah, so here, here's uh, here's the last thing. So here's that ties into my, the main thing I feel like that resonates with me that doesn't for you guys or most people is like all these scenes with uh, with Aaron and Teru and the true names thing really works for me with when with the the stuff with them at the end where uh, Shadow Aaron gives uh, Teru his true name and then they tell each other back like in in the room in the castle they tell each other their true names and we flash to this fantasy sequence including a dragon being there which I guess is the only predecessor to her turning into a dragon is there's kind of a dragon we should in that have scene, known the whole time I, I look back I'm like should I have picked something up I don't think so. I don't I think didn't we... pick it up. I did not either. So I just the and and uh, the te- like kind of the tenderness between them of like the uh, learning the the intimacy of learning someone's true name and then like freeing uh, Aaron because she knows his true name too and she's giving him freedom. Like I think I, that's my impression and not that that's explained in the movie. But I, that that's uh, I, I found all that to be resonant mostly because I was really connecting with Aaron and Teru as a um, their dynamic, you know, like romantic or not, just their bonds. I think that they're they're having um one scene that i love in the middle of the movie is when we spend a lot of time watching teru sing um which i feel like is uh one of the more emotionally resonant we're talking about this movie having no like lively characters i feel like that's like one of the more lively soulful presentations is just seeing teru sing for a while um and then this intimate moment with the two of them watching the sunset um and uh are uh, in explaining to her uh that he has like there's something inside me yeah so um i, I like i just all this that them opening up to each other the intimacy shared between them i found all that to be really successful like those are the big standout scenes for me i mean uh, i'm definitely appreciating a little more having you talk about it. i do agree like i was i was genuinely surprised by how much i was finally feeling for the two kids when Aaron reveals his real name to her when he's like the shadow him who's like implied to be like maybe the good half of him now in that moment when he gives her the sword but like it is like such a a, a feeling of like vulnerability and trust vulnerability to yeah reveal yeah. that name if it's the most like secret powerful thing that could be used against you it is like essentially giving her his heart in a way mm-hmm. and I do think that is really lovely like in the context of the scene so yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a great word that I was trying to key into. I love that. They're increasing vulnerability with each mm-hmm, other throughout yeah. the movie. I thought that was really gorgeous. Um, and, uh, and then at the end when uh, she t- turns back into the human, which apparently is not how it works. But uh, they just <laughs> have <laughs> Yeah, they're like, oh, I'll, I'll see you again. And he's like, first, I must repent for all I've It's like, okay, we're acknowledging it finally yeah, that you yeah, just murder, murdered your father. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love it's kind of this like uh, wistful, like uh, like uh, romantic thing of like, we'll see each other again. I thought that was a good conclusion to there. But then but then first they get to go farm a little bit together. That's nice. <laughs> <You> gotta <farm. laughs> get ready for together. the summer, Dylan. They yeah, need they all the help they can get those two ladies in their big farm. Yeah, it's like, oh, we need some... Uh, some strong men to yeah. these axes. You know I think uh, Teru and Tanar are totally capable of maintaining that farm themselves. Seems like they, they d- manage just fine without them. They, they like just don't want right. to. Yeah, they, 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 they're like, we'd prefer not to. We, we prefer you guys <laughs> to do it for We us. could do all this work ourselves, but... 
you want help? It seems Come like over. a good deal to me. Yeah. So I, I just I thought and I I thought Gora was tapping into. I've talked about this on a lot of these Miyazaki. Miyazaki is not afraid to have epilogues, yeah. seeing happy endings for his characters. I thought he tapped into that really well with this that this epilogue here, and then sure. we end with. Uh, Teru looking up at the the dragons, <laughs> her fellow dragons in the sky. Yeah, why isn't she connecting to that? The yeah, dragon. Yeah, she needs to go learn to fly with the dragons and learn. That dragon was my that's my assumption. Yeah. Is we cut right before she turns back into the dragon and goes to fly with the dragons. That's my reading of that. Like, has Aaron is becoming like accepting like his responsibility and like maybe like you know the not doing drugs and seeing the slave trade is going to help him be a good king. Like that would be a nice like aspect of his whole journey um she also has a new responsibility to be a dragon and it's a new chapter <laughs> like, it's a big responsibility they, they, both met, her yeah, they, they met each other this nice crossroads where they're both trying to figure out like mm. what their next step in life is going to be and now they kind of both know and i hope they both can go and do that freely like independently still liking each other but independently like forging their own paths like that would, I mean, honestly, that feels very in line with like Hayao Miyazaki's approach to relationships that are yeah, that, that sort of romantic. It's like they're still independent people who respect each other yeah. to go and do things on their own. And like that would be kind of nice, I would say. So maybe we should have ended with uh, Teru turning back into the dragon yes, and seeing please. her fly around with the other dragons. That would have been so nice for her. I mean, it wouldn't yeah. have made it more confusing. It's like, I no. wasn't just this dragon once. I yeah. can now turn back and forth from a dragon or into a human. Or if she had never turned back into a human. Yeah, just never turned back into a human. Like they, like, no, we, need, we needed no. to see them together at the end. No, I feel like that was the way no, to go. No, we did it. She's just a dragon now, and she's not. What yes. does she talk? Is she a talking no, dragon, or is she no. just a non? On dragon. She's the full. That would be a bold ending for her to just dragon, in, randomly swear, turn into a dragon and stay a dragon. I swear that's what happened. The <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it makes more sense, sense though in the book. I'm sure it makes like, more sense. Like it took her dying for her to be able to tap into that part of her. Oh yeah, and she died and came back to life because yeah. she's immortal. She's immortal too. She is immortal. Yeah. Since I don't even want to touch that, it's so crazy, and there was no explanation for it. I just wanted dragons to be a dragon. Dragons are immortal. That makes sense to me. Dragons are just innately immortal. No, um, they're not. Maybe. I mean, okay, at least you know, if you live thousands of years, that's kind of a thousand is a long immortal. time. Yeah, yeah. but um, it would have made more sense if, like, she had died, she became a dragon, and they were like, "Oh, you're like the immortal one." But only because she turns into a dragon, and no one knows how long dragons live. They could live forever. Like yeah, she's, that fa- she's faking it. They might. She's really not immortal. But none of these people will ever know they'll be well, dead. The, so. Exactly. Yeah. They, they assume, but it's just because human life. <laughs> They're just assuming. So yeah. It's yeah. significant. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the, the now. Teru's this uh, dragon that uh, does dragon things and turns mm-hmm. into human sometimes. And Arn goes back and repents for his crimes, and yeah. then eventually is crowned king. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess. I don't know if that's what's gonna happen. But what if that happened? And then there's this epic <laughs> romance of the king. And the dragon, yes, king and the, dragon. the king and the dragon, like is, is is it's the best ship. I'm telling you, yeah. It's, he, um... she could he could ride her, and she could take it. <laughs> yeah, off so it's a it's a reverse Spirited Away. That's what I was gonna say. It's a reverse Haruichi Hero. Oh my god, come full circle. Oh yeah, and it's, it's 
this fanfic would be amazing. I mean, there's so much potential that no, but the, the last thing is that the, the movie ends with the, or as part of the, when she's the dragon, the iconic image of the movie is her as a dragon and, uh, Aaron, uh, like touching her, them kind of hugging, I guess, and, uh, them looking at each other right before she turns back. Um, apparently that was the first image Goro ha- starts off with from the movie and he, like, builds the movie kind of around that. And I do think that's, like, the iconic image. I, like, I, I was like, should I make the screenshot something else? Like, this is, like, the image for this movie. I feel Go like with your gut, Dylan. You yeah. Do it. it. No, it's like I, that, and I do think that is like such a such a great image. And it's like maybe he starts there, um, and then it doesn't really make sense because it kind of like uh, like like you <laughs> arrive at this nonsensical yeah. ending just because it's like this is how it ends, and it's like okay, I guess this is what happens. What's happening? Um, okay, no, I'm now now we need both the sequel. See, we started off not liking Tales from Mercy, but now we need the sequel movie where uh, ki- the King and the Dragon. Yeah, King and the then dragon. we need the we need also need the prequel movie of the uh, the history yes, between the wizard the lovers. Yeah, <laughs> so, the only magicians we see in this movie. I feel like they're both ancient and they have yeah. so much history. I just like want to know what happened there. You don't just drag anyone to hell. You drag your lover. Yeah, why? Why did you do that? We don't yeah. really. I don't feel like we don't really know why that happened. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. So look, there's a lot here that could be expanded into a, could, a future it series. It could, but I don't think it's going to happen. Let's t- let's take the most reviled Ghibli movie and turn it into a epic film series. Yeah, I think a series is the best way to tackle the source material. Well, I think would have been better than one movie. Would have yeah. been amazing. <laughs> yeah. I think a movie is just there's too much here. You can't explain everything that good. That was the problem. Yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah, shouldn't have. apparently the first book is about the shadow stuff with Aaron. I've, that would have helped. So if it was just that, like, oh, man. say that this movie is based off the first four books when we threw the first book completely out the window. <laughs> yeah, not like a lot there scenes, probably. With yeah. That. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, I, 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 I like the speculating on that at the end. That's fun. <laughs> so any other scenes to mention? Give it to us, universe. Yeah. yeah. Give it to us. I, I think probably. I think that was most of the interesting uh, scenes we talked about. So Michelle, any final thoughts on Tales from Mercy? Uh, I think I honestly do like it a little better now. I think I can give the romance a little more credit. Yay. So that's something. Um, I mean, like, I, I'm really excited about Up on Poppy Hill. I, I feel so many... I, I was... I'd assumed so many things about Goro um, the first time I watched it. I thought that Miyazaki like pressured him into it because he's like, someone's got to take up my role in the family business. And Goro was like, no, dad, I hate animation. Don't make me do this movie. <laughs> but like be a construction worker. Yeah, I just want to be a construction worker. But like, actually, like he just really wanted to do this. And he really looked up to his dad. And then he didn't even get to share this with his dad the whole time he made it. And it's yeah. just like, Man, that's such a layer that, like, now that I know that, it is going to, like, color this a lot different looking at the movie. I think that's for the better, honestly. So I'm glad to have that extra context, too. Yeah, yeah, I think it helps. And for Poppy Hill, he Miyazaki writes the script and generally yeah. kind of oversees. Like, if they did that for this movie, that might have been the winning combination. That's if we, true. Um, that might have been nice. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks that Hayao is too much of a curmudgeonly old man to accept yeah. his son right away directing this movie. Please, Dad, <laughs> just notice me. I love you. <laughs> 
no, okay, yeah. I mean, we it's it's, it's, sad, it's even more sad in the context of Mizaki being a distant father. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the downside of you work uh, the entire week, every week on uh, these movies. Yeah. Uh, I remember he was saying in that documentary, like you know, like this, like Goro doesn't understand what a real director is. He doesn't understand hard work. Hard work is when like you bleed out of your nose or something. And I was like, no, that's how you die in early death. What are you saying? Yeah. That is uh, not a good word. <laughs> I, I think he eventually comes to tone back the working literally all the time. So I, I think I by think this so. point he is not yeah. working completely all the time. Yeah. Uh, that's the behind all these retirements and stuff is kind of shifting perspective on and on the all that. deaths. Yeah, I feel like that yeah. probably really shook yeah. him too. Seeing yeah, his definitely. friends die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. April. On that note, any <laughs> final thoughts on <laughs> Tales from Earthsea? I will say, knowing like kind of the backstory of what's going on, it makes me like enjoy the movie a little bit more, or at least appreciate it a little bit more because. Goro did take on like a lot with this movie and I mean I didn't know that I was just like what is going on with this movie so but now I'm like okay that makes a little bit more sense and I'm a little bit more open to like the RN and Teru like relationship um just after discussing it with you guys so yay, yay Dylan but I, but I, I made like, a little dent a little, yay little <laughs> dent. but I will say like the biggest dent for me is just like getting the backstory of this movie because that put like yeah. it put a lot of stuff into perspective and I kind of wish that I had known all of that going into it and maybe I would have like appreciated it or at least enjoyed it a little bit more yeah, I mean, yeah, it definitely, I think once you hear all this backstory, it's hard not to be more sympathetic to Goro. Um, it it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean you're going to like the movie more, but I think at the very least you understand uh, where Goro's at when he's making this movie. Yeah. You have, like, more empathy and, like, the confusion gets kind of pushed farther away, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, I mean, it's his first movie, and he's, like, yeah, he's but... trying, it's his first movie, he's trying to, like adapt like four books and then he's with all impossible expectations with impossible because expectations. of his father like that's the thing i mean i think you know i think there's other high level yeah. ghibli people contributing to the direction he's of like the, yeah. i want to be dark and creepy and i'm like you want to go dark and creepy your first movie no <laughs> <laughs> i mean on it from the documentary scene girl he, he does come across as a little more of like a gloomy guy than than no he doesn't i mean he came off so earnest to me i feel like he does come across they, as earnest yeah every time they interviewed him he looked like he was trying not to cry and i was like oh my god Vulner- yeah yeah i, I get no the vulnerability yeah, yeah he's very vulnerable mm-hmm. <laughs> I think all that could be true, but, um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. But yeah, no, like for, I mean, of course he had the support of this incredible studio with all these incredible yeah. artists, but even with that, I think this is still impressive, very impressive for a first movie um, with no previous animation experience. That's like, the I think, wildest part of the story. Yeah. He hadn't made anything before this besides his own yeah. drawings, like in his room. Yeah, yeah. He, just, he just drew, like he has, he's like talent because he just drew stuff, but he never yeah. like applied it in a mm-hmm. con- industry context. Yeah, it is really, it is the, uh, the only time I know of of that happening. I guess like, like story people sometimes in America like show run uh, like but they're not doing the drawing parts they get other people to do that you know, yeah like, uh, yeah yeah okay and then he like he again he did every storyboard like like his dad did so uh definitely Im- Im- impressive okay yeah I'm, I'm happy i got to I- i'm glad i liked this movie more this viewing and i'm glad i was able to convey why yeah um, you definitely did 
Yay. I'm wondering wondering if anyone else holds positive thoughts like me about this. So I'd love to hear any con- any way you can comment. Find all those ways at OverlyAnimated.com. What, uh, what you liked about Earthsea. Or if you hate this movie, that's fine, too. Uh, you can comment that, too. Um, and uh, any yeah any, anything else from our discussion about that, leave us comments. Uh, and... We uh, consider supporting us via Patreon, patreon.com slash animated. Thanks to all our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Needle. Yay, Needle. Yay, Needle. And thanks as always to our patron and executive producers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Needle loves the worst things the most, so I think that this is fitting. This was and, perfect. <laughs> uh, thanks to our patron executive producers, Ryan Steve Alex Beatrice, Hugh Michael, Needle, and Phonician. Um, yeah, Ponyo is next, and um, I'm, again, not one I reacted to positively the first time, but considering I have loved every movie a lot more, I, can, I assume that I'll have a more positive reaction to Ponyo, so that's going to be an interesting one. And we're in the home stretch with some, eventually, Ariete, Poppy Hill, so some other fun ones coming up as well. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.